Hi everyone, it's Adam from Monkey Tennis here. Just saying a huge thank you to all of you that have supported my charity appeal uh, so far. For those that haven't heard about it, this September I'm going to be swimming uh, 15 kilometres uh, between five islands in Cornwall. Uh, I'll be swimming the Isles of Scilly. That's Scilly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. Um, I'm doing it because I want to, but also to raise money for Calm, the campaign against living miserably. It's a well-known statistic that 125 people in the UK die by suicide every week, and Calm run a free and confidential helpline for people to speak through their problems and ultimately to help prevent suicides. Um, I'm looking to raise enough money to train two new phone workers um, to man those lines um, and I'll be doing it by swimming the Isles of Scilly in Cornwall. Um, if you're looking to support me, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, you can donate at justgiving.com. Um, just go there and search for Adam Swim Silly. That's Adam Swim Silly, S-C-I-L-L-Y. All donations greatly appreciated. Thank you for helping me to support Calm. And now, on with monkey tennis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Monkey Tennis. One part says an aisle. Monkey Tennis. You're unpacking. This is an ecstasy palette. Google it. Monkey Tennis. Basically, beef tea. Monkey Tennis? Or what is a trolley money but a shepherd of the town? Monkey Tennis? The better, more sought-after broadcaster. Seldom a pedigree chump, although he only eats boiled eggs. Monkey Tennis? Hello, pod fans. It's the Monkey Tennis crew here. Hello! Hello. What you're about to hear is a special episode all about... Alan Partridge's Scissored Isle. We recorded it live on stage at MCM Comic-Con in Manchester earlier in the year. Yeah. Uh, and as we go on, you will hear that we were somewhat crunched for time. Uh, yeah, I think on reflection, we agreed trying to cover a 45-minute special in about 40 minutes on stage made it slightly difficult to cover all the points that we wanted to go through. It's ambitious madness, isn't we it? We like to challenge ourselves at Monkey Tennis, and this was certainly a challenge. Uh, but what, you, what we've decided <laughs> that, to do... That almost makes it sound bad. It was, it was great. We oh, yeah, it's brilliant. It, guys. Oh, yeah. It and fine, thanks yeah. very much to everyone at MCM Comic Con for having us. We had a lovely old time. It yes, was great, yeah. Um, but what we've decided to do is throw in a Scissor Isle Part 2, which will be coming your way next week, uh, featuring all the tidbits that we didn't have time for on stage. So uh, we will be doing that next week. But right now, we'd like to pass over to our past selves on stage in Manchester. Alan Hello, Manchester. Next up on this stage, a live recording of Monkey Tennis, the chart-topping Alan Partridge fan podcast, described by The Telegraph as one of the best TV and film podcasts, and by commenters on the Comic-Con Facebook page as what is this absolute horseshite? 
crap, and what the fuck is this shit? Undeterred, earlier today, we spoke to some Comic-Con attendees who had all definitely heard of us and told us they were literally desperate for a front row seat with almost no prompting. Sorry, monkey what? Monkey he? Oh, I will absolutely be on, down the front row at 3.15. That's, that's when Chris Barry's on, right? What? I'm looking forward to what? I don't understand. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Thank you for joining us to discuss, dissect and celebrate Norfolk's finest broadcaster, Alan Partridge, in his mission to Manchester as he attempts to make amends in his 2016 special, Scissored Isle. Hoping to become better, humbler, more sought-after podcasters, please make a moderate to large amount of noise for the hosts of Monkey Tennis. Monkey Tennis? You better believe it, babe. There's a new chat in town. Monkey Tennis? Ice white shoes, ice white socks with navy blue double cadet strong. Aha! Monkey Tennis? I've just been told that Roger Moore is at Chiswick Roundabout. Monkey Tennis? Oh, what the heck? Rock and roll, let's all have a pair! Monkey Tennis? Yes, I am in a jacuzzi sipping spunt. And on that bombshell, Monkey Tennis? Hello, Manchester. Thank you so much for coming Hello. down. Hi. Uh, Monkey Tennis, the Alan Partridge fan podcast. Uh, for those of you that have never listened to the podcast before, we basically tackle Alan projects one at a time, dissecting, discussing, and celebrating. And uh, it's fantastic to be in Manchester, not only Steve Coogan's home turf, but also the setting for the episode we're going to talk about today, Alan Partridge's Scissor Isle. The BAFTA-winning Alan Partridge's Scissor Isle. It is. I was surprised when you said BAFTA-winning, to be honest. I've got to be honest. <laughs> Don't <laughs> do it disservice. Yeah, about someone else going deserves it more. I'm going off script. Carry on. Stick to the script. No yeah. script. Uh, so, this is basically an episode where Alan is uh, desperate to make amends after a social faux pas. Um, it's produced by the Pear Tree Factual Productions, which is presumably the documentary wing of Alan's Yes, uh, also the fictional production company that produced Places of My Life from so, a few years previous. So, it makes documentaries, but, but just the ones Alan wants, basically. Absolutely. Yeah. And only two. Yeah, <laughs> and he did have a production company that he liquidated voluntarily. Correct. But what, is this a, a new venture? Uh, quite possibly. Before I go any further, though, let's briefly introduce ourselves. Uh, I'm Adam Brooks, and I'm joined by Tom Dark. I'd achieved the holy grail of being able to chat and scan. Nick Older. <laughs> he only eats boiled eggs. And Tom Stab. I live here, it's my house. <laughs> so... <laughs> Scissor uh, Isle. Uh, well, for starters, I thought I'd look up whether there's actually a Pear Tree Productions, and it turns out there's not just one, but several. Uh, there's a Mississippi-based production company owned by a man called Kevin Partridge. Uh, coincidence? <laughs> I, I think so. That's um, amazing. Is that true? That's uh, true. And obviously, <laughs> with, with the Facebook page uh, of that company, you would expect it to be overrun by Partridge fans. But no, the first uh, review reads, Pear Tree Productions is an A-plus operation. Kevin is insightful, professional, and doesn't call rap until his client is completely happy. He is my go-to for all video production. But then the next <laughs> comment reads, can you fingerprint a sausage? So at that point, <laughs> the so Allen fans, fans had arrived. Took yeah. it over. Yeah, Written yeah, by good. Alan in Norwich. Yeah. Alan would absolutely call time as well when he was done. He wouldn't be prepared to go the extra mile, would he? Nope. nope. Um, so this opens on quite a sombre tone. You can tell mainly because Alan's cardigan is done up to the top button. Yeah, he looks very serious. And also, he opens with the line, uh, the footages of a man that I don't recognise. I'd just like to say at this point, I absolutely recognise Alan. <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is classic Alan up to his uh, usual tricks. Uh, should we talk about quickly, uh, so this was broadcast uh, on the 28th of April 2016 uh, on Sky Atlantic. What do we reckon the viewing figures were for this? 
Anyone care to speculate? Scientific. Well, I, I'd say small. I would reckon maybe half a million. I believed I'd read somewhere it was, uh, it was actually around 100,000, but that seems crazy low. Wow, that is low. It is Sky Atlantic, though. Um, well, I was keeping quiet there because I actually do know what the viewing figures actually were. Ooh, do tell. Um, and interestingly, Stab, your guess was quite close. Uh, 532,000. So, yeah, half a million, basically. Pretty good. Have we got any context we- for that, or is that just... I think it's better than Mid Morning Matters did on Sky. Fair so, enough. Yeah. Is this also the first sort of Partridge product to not have any involvement from Armando Iannucci as well? I think so. This is just Coogan and Gibbons. And Gibbons, yeah. yeah. Isn't it? Um, one thing I noted about this, is Steve Coogan back on the uh, prosthetics and makeup on this one? Because obviously in Alpha Papa, he said that he's now old enough to look like Alan's age, but in this one, he looks pretty haggard. I think that's just too real. Now. Yeah, that's just real haggardness. Is yeah. it? <laughs> I don't think there's definitely no prosthetics going on there. Okay. No. Um, so at this point, he's talking about the comments that he's made as crass and offensive. Uh, he's a more self-aware partridge. He does realise that he's made a mistake, although it does then go on to seem like he's effectively just made this whole documentary to make himself more employable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, of so course. Yeah. We should probably explain what happened. So Alan's basically yeah. in an editing room, and as you can see, there's a kind of TV monitor behind him, and essentially it cuts to a scene where Alan is chatting to some youths, and in his words, very much on their level i.e. he's very much not on their level. <laughs> and he's yep. just played uh, the funky gibbon uh, by, by the goodies. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then one of the youths uh, accuses him of bestial filth, uh, <laughs> at which point he goes absolutely berserk. Yeah. <laughs> well, he says bestial filth, but that kid literally just made a sheep noise, didn't he? Yeah. It was uh, Alan, he did, he... Alan forced him to elaborate. Yeah. yeah, but he does call him a sheep shagger, just to be clear on that point. That does happen. <laughs> and then, yeah, Alan goes absolutely insane because it starts describing uh, imagining your hot balls pushed up against its woolly back <laughs> and then obviously brands brands the youngster a chav yeah uh, i thought that was a term that was that was dying out by by this point last year so i looked on google trends as any usual adult <laughs> and uh, it turns out actually more people are searching for chav now than than they ever have in the past maybe that's because of a uh, scissor aisle possibly it's still Unlikely, a little hot potato <laughs> Well, I found out that in 2006, there was a survey commissioned by YouGov that suggested that 70% of TV industry professionals um, believed that uh, the character Vicky Pollard was an accurate representation of white working class people as Chavi. Great research, oh, Nick. Professional. <laughs> wow, okay. What I, I, I am stunned. <laughs> uh, would anyone like to hazard a guess as out of, uh, on Google uh, whether Chav or Alan Partridge is the more searched for term? Oh, Chav. Chav. I'm going Chav, yeah. Uh, any guesses from the audience? Are we saying Chav or are we saying Alan? Chav. Chav. Okay, well, congratulations. You're all right. But <laughs> yes. uh, around Alpha Papa coming out, Partridge did enjoy a leap over the term Chav for a bri- very brief holiday. <laughs> uh, a holiday above the Chavs. Alan's Alan second mistake was whilst presenting the Mr. Golf 2016 award. Um, <laughs> I wondered if that was loosely based on some things like the, that chap from Cheers who did the racist stand-up uh, heckling routine. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, or Mike Reed's UKIP Calypso. <laughs> <laughs> Who could forget? Yeah. People Classic are actually reference. laughing at his after dinner speech, though. It seems to be going down quite well, which is quite rare for Alan. Yeah, I think they're very much on his level. They're his people. Right. Um, yeah. But and he, he realises uh, it's being filmed and it's going to get out because he turns to the person next to him and says, I think a shitstorm's coming my yeah. way. Like, so, yeah, so what, just to explain for those that haven't seen it, so at the golf club dinner, he uses the chav term again at Essentially accidentally, but then embellishes it and says, you come here to get away from the chavs. So he makes it worse. 
And yeah, somebody basically somebody's been filming it, and it goes viral. It does go viral. Can you remember how many views it's had according to it going viral? Oh, isn't like, it something ridiculous like seven hundred? One hundred and fifty. Oh, yeah. It's one hundred and fifty. <laughs> That's viral. Yeah. Uh, and he's labelled ignorant, prejudiced, because uh, somebody can't spell on YouTube, <laughs> and hateful. Uh, but what I love is obviously, as you can see, well, those of you here can see on the screen behind us, his uh, erstwhile assistant Lynn Benfield uh, crops up, seemingly has signed up for a YouTube account just to defend him online yeah so there, there are a series of um a, yeah a series of screenshots of the youtube comments and lynn jumping to his defense every time with leave him alone leave him alone leave him be only god can smite him and then, <laughs> and then you can see here somebody threatens to put up a video of him getting changed as revenge porn and lynn asks what is revenge porn uh, she also oh. hasn't given herself a profile picture absolute noob uh, noob era <laughs> that's what you'd expect <laughs> um and around this point his sponsors abandoned him remember all the sponsors uh, uh country kitchen Chaucer's country kitchen they're, gone yep <laughs> they're not real either i did check yeah npp escrow gone. gone united farm and animal feed wanted, wanted to, to reduce <laughs> fee so he's uh, in trouble yeah so it's not going well and alan describes this as the lowest point in his career i was thinking to myself how can this be the lowest point of his career he did shoot a man live on air. <laughs> <laughs> would that not be the lowest point and someone career? dropped a dead yeah, and, cow on him as and well probably just his career being so bad that he's depressed and drives to Dundee in his bare feet. Yep. It's just it's another it's more a, a low point. It's another low in a series of lows, isn't it? Basically, yep. but I, I think arguably Alan's career is doing okay around this time. Yeah, if he's, he's been, doing he's successful got, after dinner speeches. He's got the yeah. mid-morning masses show. He's got sponsors. He's bounced back. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so um, it, he starts talking about how this, this perhaps is representative of a schism, uh, a schism or chasm between the haves and have-nots or haven'ts yes. uh, of, of, of the UK. And uh, he decides that this is an idea for a thoughtful documentary. And he uh, kind of poses the question, he's saying, like, was I to blame or society? <laughs> I, I, I think Alan was to blame, wasn't he? Yeah, the answer's clear. But, <laughs> but then, uh, yeah, to, to use his words, he, he decides he's going to... Uh, it's going to be a uniquely insightful documentary format and a journey of redemption. Uh, he also says that he hopes to become a better man, but also, perhaps more importantly, a better, more sought-after broadcaster. Yeah, I think that's the bit to really pay attention to there, so, isn't it? So is the reality here that he's essentially blown up an easily forgotten mishap in order to get another hour of himself on telly? Yes. 100%. <laughs> Nailed it. And then, um, uh, uh, under the voiceover, when he's talking about a, uniqueful, a uniquely insightful documentary format... You have him jumping over a gate in a, in a field as part of the introduction credits. And I thought, that's a younger Alan than we'd, we've ever seen before, like physically. I think he wants yeah, to prove yeah. to those potential yeah. employers that, you know, he's not the... Uh, he's not <laughs> he can do it all. He can do it yeah. all. Yeah. Action well, Alan. One of the great things about this, about Scissor Dial, as opposed to anything Alan's done before, is that because the, the concept is that the whole documentary is, is produced and edited by him... There's a lot of Alan in the way it's cut and the way yeah. credits appear and things like that, and the hashtags that are used that, that you obviously didn't get on things like I'm Alan Partridge yeah. or Know Me Knowing You. Um, one is that, obviously, yeah, he jumps over the gate and, and he more or less clears it, but... <laughs> you hear him go, no, yeah, is he lands. It tells you two things about Alan. One, how many takes were there of that where he, <laughs> he absolutely stacked it into oh. the gate? And, and also, when he finally uh, does it, he, he doesn't absolutely clear it, but no, he no. leaves it in the documentary because he's probably <laughs> yeah. hurt himself by that point. Uh, have we got Alan's full credit list? Oh, He's not yes. just the presenter. Yeah, he... Uh, shall I go through it? Go through he, it. He is the presenter, he's the producer, he's the executive producer, and he's the co-director. <laughs> Interestingly, not listed as a director, though. No, no he's a co-director. So, so who did he co-direct it with? Exactly, it's not listed. We'll never know. Probably just a typo. <laughs> okay. uh, so then we cut to Alan's uh, rather salubrious digs, uh, to use his terms. Yep. Um, Denton, Denton Abbey. Denton, Denton Abbey. Abbey. Lovely, lovely name. Well, two things that kind of come off this. One, that house is genuinely massive. 
How has he got the money to afford that? And the secondly, Denton Abbey, whilst obviously it's witty, <laughs> it's humorous, isn't that the surname of Psychic Simon? It is. Yes. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yep. Yeah, but also, more importantly, Denton is half an hour outside of Manchester, where yes. we are now. So, uh, um, ah. And he did say, yeah, in, in, five in, relation, away. in relation to the size of his house, the mortgage did, and I quote, cripple him. Yeah, so, so that's how he's got that house. Um, and I did wonder, is Denton either, it's a reference to Denton five miles away from where we are now, or is it a play on words with Downton? Is he trying it's to a have a both, Downton? It's a bit of both, yeah, that's, I think that's so. the yeah. joke, yeah. yeah. Um, there's some indication that someone's trying to take the house away from him as well. He's very adamant that it is his house, his he name is, is on the house. deeds. <laughs> is it Carol? Uh, oh, there are a few references to Carol. There is, this, aren't there? So yeah, maybe it is. Maybe she's who, back. Uh, who ran off with a narcissistic sports pimp? Yeah, like yellow stuff in tins. Yeah, he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Alan basically decides to head into Manchester to try and make sense of this schism between the haves and have-nots. Haven'ts. Uh, Manchester described by Alan as the spiritual home of the needy. Uh, yep. He also refers to it as one of Britain's most deprived areas. I can't stress enough; those are Alan's words. Alan's not, not our words. I would. I would also say to back up the people of Manchester. I looked up the GDP per capita <laughs> of cities of the UK, you are number three. Pretty good. Well done, well guys. You're nailing it. Um, and uh, did you take note of the imagery he uses to depict the people of Manchester? What, yeah. Shots of Kevin from Corrie and Mick Hucknall, you mean? Yeah, that's yep. it. That's all you need. <laughs> that's representative. Again, I looked up Mick Hucknall because my mum was a big Simply Red fan and he was popular. I can clarify that he has sold over 50 million records. Has Alan million. sold 50 million of anything? I don't think so. No way. And is it your mum that's a Simply Red fan, or is it you? Let's not, let's not go too far down that <laughs> path. Mr. Crowded House and Deacon Blue there. <laughs> Just write great hits. Uh, he also describes Manchester's teeming gay and lesbian scene. Uh, and yep. co- he says, and coincidence or otherwise, the arrival of the BBC in Salford. Uh, obviously, obvious bit of homophobia, but also still quite bitter towards the BBC. Yeah, yeah he always. basically thinks the BBC are to blame for any... like. I guess, the development of more left-field left liberal culture. Yep. Um, there's an outside shot of the car where Alan tells us he's brought his best friend along. I was sure it would be Michael, who obviously <laughs> allegedly died in Alpha Papa. But no, he's replaced Michael with a dog, uh, a dog called Seldom. Uh, question to the group. There he is. Would you rather have Michael or Seldom as your best friend? Ooh, Seldom. Seldom. Yeah, I think, it's, I think Seldom's going to be a lot more reliable. I'm the lone voice for a human best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Although apparently Seldom only eats boiled eggs. I wasn't sure whether you should feed a dog boiled eggs. It doesn't sound good. So I don't really... think that's Alan's choice. He only eats boiled eggs. Yeah, that's, that's seldom... Seldom, that's seldom saying that. Yes. Yes. I was worried for seldom, so I did look on Google, can dogs eat boiled eggs? And the answer is yes, and they can also eat the shells of eggs, equally healthy. But in terms of the other predictive searches that uh, Google gave me, uh, second was, <laughs> can I give my dog ice cream? The answer is yes, but not chocolate or raisin. And then the third search was, can I give my dog gravy? I didn't investigate <laughs> any further than that. I would say yes, that's yes. fine. I would say you've over-investigated as it is, to be yeah. fair. Um, so, well, I was going to say, uh, if, as you can see from the uh, picture we've got behind us here, uh, seldom is in Alan's, I think it's a Jeep he's got, um, and he's not wearing a seatbelt. And I thought, well, that looks... Irresponsible. I'm, I'm worried it's seldom not safe there. So I did think, is there such a thing as a dog seatbelt, perhaps? And I think we can show you the evidence now. That yes, there is. Yes, there is. There are Thank God. several of those available on the market. Oh, definitely bottom left. <laughs> so we must rattle on. Um, we find out at this point that he's uh, been having anxiety dreams about being stuck in a lift with Diane Abbott, uh, at which point the hashtag Diane Abbott yep. comes up on the screen. Um, made even more funny, uh, as everybody uh, pretty much knows, that Coogan is an ardent Labour supporter. Yeah. Um, and then he talks about uh, back in the day when people in Manchester would have cushy jobs in mills and factories for mum, dad and the kids. It must have seemed like the Good times would never end, but then China, China happened. <laughs> and there's a great bit when they have like some archive footage of 
a load of kind of Victorian kids outside a factory going, yay! And then factory they, work. And, and they, yeah, they just put in a voice and go, factory work. Also, when he says, like, China happened, it makes it sound like it was like an invention in the early noughties. <laughs> yeah. It's been around forever. <laughs> he also gives uh, specific products as examples of what China produces. Plastic water pistols and dildos. Oh, okay. He does show Barbie big dolls he says dildos. Yeah, dildos are not partic- uh, depicted. Mm. Um, so I had a question to the group. Mm-hmm. Has anyone here ever done factory work? No. No. Afraid not. My, my hands are clean. Well, I, I, I have. Uh, I once worked in a sandwich factory during a summer, hol- uh, summer holiday time. And I can tell you, the actual job itself was fine, but a bit of a scandal here. Uh, they would produce prawn mayonnaise sandwiches and reduced fat prawn mayonnaise sandwiches, but they didn't change the mayo. Bombshells. Expose. Wow. Cool watchdog. Name and shame. It's closed down now. I, I don't hope know for your sake there's no reporters in the room because the whistleblowing on that level yeah. is has blown my mind. Yeah. Um, at this point, we are in Tesco. That is Alan's first port of call, which he describes as a supermarket. Yeah. Um, probably the silliest joke of the programme is when he's defining it for the audience as if as who what? doesn't know what a supermarket this is? This is exactly what I was thinking. He kind of talks and acts as if he's never heard of what a supermarket is or Tesco. He's probably pretending because he's above that. He just gets it delivered by a cardo. Uh, describes right it choice. as a place so that you can buy cheese, chops, chocks, Cheap chicken, chicory, and chives. That joke would have been better if he stopped after the word chicken, wouldn't it? But once yeah. he's thinking about things beginning with chur, he just can't stop himself. So my question to the group, has anyone else worked in a supermarket apart from me? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. I mean, I we'll, think we'll have. He produce. Uh, tills and trolleys. I was the Carl of my day. Uh, we'll get on to Carl <laughs> in a minute. So when Alan says that uh, men take all the top jobs in driving and science, whilst women take <laughs> the majority of till-based employment, we've um, kind of proved that to be incorrect. Wrong. 100% of us working in the front line of retail. There we, we go. Yeah. To differ. Also, on the subject of supermarkets and uh, different sexes being able to do different jobs, I was told in my supermarket job that uh, women were not allowed to push trolleys in case they were, and I quote, pregnant and didn't know it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Genuine. Oh, that's wow. what I was told. I don't know if it's true. Wow. I, can't, Thanks I, the I wouldn't want to speculate. Um, so, yes, uh, Alan introduced himself to the manager, immediately gets his name wrong. Uh, he, doesn't he call him David? But he says, no, he calls him Paul. Paul. Uh, and then the guy says, oh, my name's David. And then he introduces the guy saying, <laughs> this David? is the manager, David Paul. <laughs> Does that, is, is that the manager's real name? Or is no, he he's, trying, bla- he's blagged that, hasn't he? Yeah. He, he's definitely blagged it. We'll, we'll never know. Uh, so Alan's then on the tills. Uh, the first customer he serves is buying 16 beers, a litre of vodka, and some eggs. Uh, his first <laughs> that is a classic weekly shop. His first bit of banter with that customer is, the, have you checked your eggs? Yeah just a bit of chicken shit but we all follow through once in a while don't we (laughs) he's got that patter down yep so Alan is brilliant at scanning have we found Alan's true calling sorry has he found his true calling here I I think quite possibly I mean uh, scanning is not hard though he kind of suggests that he enters some kind of zen like state (laughs) if it's really hard yeah to to use his words he says he enters a form of hyper concentration Uh, he also he also (laughs) questions whether he as a man could pass muster or scan mustard mustard yeah. And he refers to the female part of his brain. Yes. Um, I wasn't yep. sure, but I did check, and there is no female part of the brain. No, apparently, they're all the same. <laughs> you had to check. <laughs> you had to, be you had sure. to look it up. Always sure. Google it to be sure. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, then you get his, this kind of montage of him successfully working the tills, and I thought, Coogan basically slips into Pauline Calf here, I thought. It's, um, it goes a bit out of Alan for me. 
There's, yeah. some, there's also an interesting little video on YouTube that was commissioned by Tesco about him being on the show, uh, which is oh. well worth a watch. It's about three minutes long. The, the, the main part of it is that the, uh, the store manager doesn't seem to understand that it was a programme being filmed, and he basically is reviewing Alan as if he's an employee. <laughs> Amazing. They're like, oh, how's it, how's it been having Steve Coogan in the, in the store today? He's like, oh, yeah, you know, Steve's been very helpful. He's very good at packing the show. He's been very, very friendly to all the, all the customers. It's, it's almost like, like he thought it was some kind of secret millionaire type yeah, programme. Like, he's not on a trial for a shift. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> want to work Saturdays. Yeah. Well, maybe he does. Well, the um, whole thing's a bit of a farce. I mean, Alan feels the need to kind of do a basic check of the store and confirms that it's well ventilated and there's almost no chance of the workers getting lung disease like that, the blighted miners. <laughs> it's like, come on. Uh, he also claims with, of the scanning that some said he was scanning faster than Tesco lifer Pat Bevan. Pat could barely conceal her rage. Uh, made extra funny by the fact that Pat looks like the cuddliest woman I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen in my yeah, whole life. Completely and does not give a shit. Rewatching as well, where he, there is one customer you see him scanning all of her stuff and he is just piling it up at the end. She can't keep up. It's yeah, that's no use to anyone. That's just going to cause big delays, isn't it? Says, just take your time. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we must get on. But before he leaves Tesco, he discovers Carl, who is the man outside pushing the trolleys, who he Describes as having a quiet dignity. Uh, and yeah, he says, what was his name? I'd never know. One shot later, he says, <laughs> I later found out his name was Carl. Uh, Carls are everywhere, says Alan. They keep us clothed, safe, Greg's. <laughs> I have some Carl facts. Uh, yep. Carl was the 616th most popular boy's name in 2016. Uh, out of interest, Thomas, me and you, Tom, 6th. Uh, Adam, 39th, and Nick and Jed, our producer over there, those names were not in the top 100 boys' names in 2016. Tough luck. You're out of fashion, pal. Mm, or uh, just not common, pal. <laughs> uh, I just had a very quick note as well that um, in the montage where he talks about Carl, Carl, um, the last shot of that is a part of an L.S. Lowry painting, uh, which links back to... The Brian and Michael song, Matchstick Men and Matchstick Cats and Dogs, which is over the montage when he's in the arcade shooting, shit, shooting shitty zombies. Nice bit Easy of research. research. Lighter. Meta. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't really get the words out, but you, you got the general idea. <laughs> we got it. Okay. Uh, Alan next goes to investigate those payday lenders. Um, in uh, Cheadle. On the way there, seldom the dog is angry because he can smell that Alan has a pepperami in the glove box. Or as Alan calls them, peppery meat rods. Peppery meat rods. <laughs> um, I try to value Alan's rover, as we always do on uh, Monkey Tennis with all of Alan's cars, but the plates are fake for the first time ever, so We Buy Any Car had oh. no information for me. Uh, They've heard our podcast and heard what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. They then cut to Alan struggling to contain Seldom and also presumably carrying a bag packed with his turds. Uh, yeah, there's definitely poop in there. Uh, he heads to Cheadle to speak to somebody uh, who's being circled by loan sharks, uh, but speaks to her on condition of anonymity. That anonymity is blown before he even gets in the house. Did you see how? Well, uh, do, you, do you see her unpixelated at the front door? Uh, you No, but there's, there's a shot of Alan parking on her road next to the street name. They oh, then yeah. show and the door number the of the house. Number, yeah. Yeah. And then as the interview progresses, obviously... <laughs> well, obviously later. Yeah, yeah, they accidentally unpixelate her face in one shot. And did you clock when he meets her at the front door? Uh, he goes to shake her hand and she doesn't accept it. She just yeah. turns her back to him. I didn't see that. And that, that happens more than once in this show as well. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, so he goes back and forth with her, um, ends up trying to outdo... She's, she thinks payday lenders are scum. He tries to say, I think they're worse than that. I want to say sludge. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and then, then there's another hashtag. Scum for, is the, yeah. Yeah, the second hashtag there. Um, there's an argument here that, like his programme pitch to Tony Hares back in uh, I'm Alan Partridge, that this is Alan going cook report, arguably with a more slapstick approach uh, <laughs> when he goes after yeah. the payday loans uh, boss played by John Thompson. Yeah, I think that's him. Yeah, because so yeah, he goes on to doorstep John Thompson and he's he's trying to do the cook report. He's trying to be Donald McIntyre or maybe 
Matt Allwright from Rogue Traders, maybe Dom Littlewood from Cowboy Builders. So my question to the group would be, who would you rather be doorstep by? Alan. <laughs> yeah, you just uh, Alan yeah. for sure because all it's you need to say is I quite exactly, like the yeah. radio show, and he backs down completely. That's yeah. the plot twist here. Turns yeah. out yeah. that uh, Kevin Ruddock, played by John Thompson, is actually a fan of his show. So, question: Is this the first fan of Alan's genuine fan that we've had since Jed Maxwell? Jed Maxwell, the mentalist. Yeah, I I couldn't think of anyone else. Alan so has two fans. He's got two two listeners, and then a few, <laughs> a few mentalists that phone in as well, basically. And so, yeah, as soon as the payday loans guy admits that he listens to Alan's show, Alan suddenly uh, backs down, becomes a bit of a wimp, and the whole thing is something of a damp squib. Uh, he then goes on, he's obviously seen a lot of the haven'ts or have-nots. He then goes on to see one of the haves going to a stately manor in the little-known county of Lancashire. Yeah. Uh, he seems very happy to have worked in a region to go and pamper himself, doesn't he? Yeah, and, uh, well, again, again, to use Alan words, Alan's words, he leaves the grim desperation of Manchester to go to Holgarth Hall. Uh, Holgarth Hall, <laughs> the kind of home, he says, that would make Julian Fellows cream himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, did they basically put this in just so Coogan can drive a vintage car really fast? I was wondering that. Because over the course of this episode, he drives three different cars, and I did think, is this something Alan would have demanded, or is this actually a Coogan thing? Because we know Coogan is a, car, a massive auto fan. Yeah, although I feel like, I guess, Steve and Alan are both kind of into their cars, maybe. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Um, he then says that, uh, he, oh, he makes reference to, in remote areas, cousins and brother, brothers are the same thing, and that's the tragedy. Something of a callback to his run-in with the farmers in I'm Alan Partridge, where he accuses them yeah. of all sorts. Yeah, yeah, good spot. Yeah. And during this ex- exchange, he finds a Malteser in his pocket and comments that this was a rented jacket, and then just uh, pops it in his mouth. <laughs> so, would you guys eat anything that you found in the jacket of a high, in, in the pocket of a hired jacket? Not, not rented. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely not. I wouldn't, but I did once buy a second-hand suit and find a bag of pills in the pocket. Uh, Adam, hang on, hang on a, a minute. What, a what kind of, of pills? Ecstasy pellets. I don't know. I, fl- I flushed them to stay on the right side of the law. Uh, there was also a stack of business cards in there, but I, uh, I, I resisted the opportunity to carry out identity theft. <laughs> okay, so before we carry on any further with that, we should say that Alan and Seldom go um, exploring around the grounds. Yeah. Um, however, Alan lets uh, Seldom off the lead and... Uh, Something bad happens with one of the sheep. I think oh, he devours he, he, a sheep, doesn't he? He, he runs off screen to absolutely decimate a sheep nearby. Yeah. Let basically. him have it. Let him have it. Alan basically has to say, yeah, you have to let him eat it. Yeah, what, yeah, what I think and you I, hear, I thought to you myself, hear him shout, fuck, he's got one. Yes, first. you do, yeah. I thought to myself, if only he'd not been so stingy with the pepperamis in the first place, Sheldon maybe wouldn't have gone off to eat a sheep. Very good point. Didn't think of that. Next up, Alan is after gangs. He's trying yes. to set up a meeting with a gang. Um, he's back in the car first, and sh- uh, seldom has farted. Uh, we know he, oh, we, already, yeah. we already know he only eats boiled eggs and the odd bit of sheep and pepperamis when did, allowed. Did so anybody, you can only imagine what that stench is like. Did anybody make a note of what Alan actually says to seldom here? Because it's just underneath the voiceover. He says, "Seldom, have you let off? Oh, you dirty bastard! You've made my eyes water. It's acidic." <laughs> so I think that's it. We can learn from that. Don't just feed your dog boiled that's eggs. Yeah. Awful. Uh, he says he's off to meet a group of youths, or as he says, a group of people always claiming victimhood like young mums in a coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's and, no group he won't offend. Yeah, and did we enjoy the reconstruction? Sorry, the hashtag reconstruction Alan has here of trying to cra- trying to track down a street gang. Is this the nerve centre that's yes, below street yes. level, ten feet underground? Yeah, that's a basement, isn't it? It's just a basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says he sends out a series of calls, texts, emails, and Snapcats. And then I also enjoyed you can see him on the phone mouthing, fuck off and fuck you then. Yep. And receiving a call from the fixer. And then you see him writing a text that says, Rendezvous Chicken Cottage, capitals, no guns. 
Jones. <laughs> Did you also spot there's a whiteboard in the room? And no. there are some gang names on the board. The I can only make out three, which were Bastard Boys, <laughs> Billies, and Numbskulls. Brilliant. Uh, he goes off to meet the, uh, the gang. He's wearing a stab vest. It's 7pm. Uh, there's some gang facts come up on the screen. The gang has no name, five members, and their skill is fast texting. Uh, <laughs> he tries to bribe them by throwing 200 cigarettes down and 10 chocolate cigarettes because he believes one of the gang is under 16. And, uh, we don't, don't we, some... and don't you overhear that he's talking to them about Kevin Costner for some reason as well? I couldn't understand I that. where that came from. Well, I think that's just him being out of touch, thinking that's an actor that kids would, right. would yeah, care he, about. He thinks Kevin Costner is, is a valid reference yeah. point for 16-year-old kids. He's got it very wrong. To be fair, these kids are pretty um, you know, rowdy characters that you wouldn't want to mess with. Some of their were you crimes, scared just watching it? Well, some of their crimes include bike theft, fighting, loud ball sports, and back chat <laughs> to constables, which I would never do. Yeah, I'm quite scared, actually just thinking about it yeah. uh, later on the gang splinters when one goes to buy oven chips but as Alan says <laughs> was it McCain or cocaine they wouldn't say no. yeah <laughs> eventually he wins their trust by pulling a U and a J turn in his hot hatch which is yep. now the third car of the show actually quite impressive manoeuvres I think again that's that thing of is this Coogan just wanting Showing to have off. a go at driving around yeah, well, that's, car park yeah I mean it's, that's him definitely doing the move unless they CGI'd his face in so that's real yeah. Coogan driving yeah, yeah. Uh, he then tries to uh, encourage them to participate in a group exercise called Speakball where he throws the ball no 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 Adam to give it his full title it's the Alan Partridge Speakball System oh that's right yeah. sorry <laughs> uh, copyright slash trademark yeah. um, which is basically where you throw a ball and you can only reply or speak if you're holding the ball um, I tried to buy the domain name for Speakball so we could give it away today <laughs> but uh, unfortunately it's already been taken it's a gala event for mental health charity Mind taking place at the Hallmark Hotel in Handworth on September the 9th Sounds so I thought I'd, I'd give you a shout out and leave it at that yep. uh, and I did, I did just make a note here that basically the kids get bored at Speakball they throw the ball at his head when he's not looking he's delivering a piece to camera and it looks genuinely painful yeah it looks like he's a bit pissed off with that yep um, he's off to a house party then with them where he gets so spooked he tries to drink a beer with a lid on and uh, he's picked <laughs> up I didn't notice that yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Yeah. he's picked up an ecstasy pellet which he's bought for the knockdown price of £75 yet they've told him that they normally retail for £120 each um, he also makes a reference to a number of people whose lives have been and I quote ruined by drugs from Alid Jones to Zamo from Grange Hill fictitious yeah. uh, to Lynn his assistant's nephew Tim yeah. is this the first we know about Lynn having yes. a brother or yes. sister yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, it is. absolutely yep. that is crucial intel um he then obviously uh, he takes his one pill strips to his vest no no no, 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 no. just he nibbles, nibbles, a nibbles a corner oh nibbles a corner sorry uh yeah strips to his vest uh and the next morning he's got a a, a meeting uh, with the mayor um possibly in the worst condition he's been since he pierced his foot on a spike yeah it, it's worth just clarifying um before that that he he says in the voiceover he felt a bit hot and couldn't stop talking about lewis hamilton but apart from that he was fine it was just but, a mild high yeah but he was on the dance floor till 8am. Yeah. And yeah, the meeting with the mayor was at 10am. <laughs> it's fair to say that the meeting with the mayor doesn't go too smoothly. Definitely but not. But no. thanks to a little bit of editing, he thinks he's got away with it, but of course, he really hasn't. This is very similar to the welcome to the places of my life bit when he's in the swimming pool and he, yes. can't, uh, he can't keep afloat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they've just added on some re-recorded voiceover. They've added in laughter. Um, and I also enjoyed, he's got a glass of water on the table, like we do here, but then he's also got a large bottle that he's just chugging from directly. <laughs> um, also, with the mayor, uh, at the very end, he gives probably one of the weakest handshakes he's ever gain, uh, done. I'll, I'll give a, a brief demonstration with Tom Dark now. Sort of like that. <laughs> that was very weak. I did not Textbook. enjoy that. Uh, next up, he goes to meet Joel, who is a freegan uh, scavenging food out of bins and such. Um, and he opens with a very good question. Which is your favourite bank? High Street Investment, <laughs> Sand or Sperm? <laughs> Do we have to answer that? I'm not answering that one. No. Bank. 
High, high Street Bank? High Street Bank. I, I mean, I use one, so. And did you say Sand Bank? Yeah. No, Sperm Bank. Yeah. High Street Investment, high street Sperm invest- and Food. That's what I've, no, I just make up note. You just high made Street Investment, up. Sand or Sperm. And then he says, but who's heard of a food bank? So I was right. Mm. You were right for once. Uh, he also <laughs> very quickly, uh, he, he does this a lot. When he's interviewing people, he doesn't really understand their motives. He tries to think of something in his own history that he can tie it to. So in this case, he, uh, he decides that this man is essentially a modern-day Womble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's also when he uh, comes, um, comes to the Freegan's house, Joel, um, he also doesn't shake his hand at the front door. Very <laughs> consistent. Yeah, and uh, he kind of suggests that Joel is basically a tramp were it not for his uh, mo- modest kind of middle-class home. Nothing in the house is brand new, though. No, and there was a, a TV that was quite small. <laughs> uh, and then one of my favourite bits of the episode comes up where Alan effectively tests what the man would eat, what the free yes. would be prepared to eat. I feel like there's someone on this group of people that would eat more than most, and I'm confident if I asked these two, they'd also point to the same person. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you guys mean. For the benefit of those listening to the podcast, we're pointing at Adam. Have we got a list of all the things? Oh, of course I've got yes, a list of all the things. Please go through them. Can I, I ask them to Adam? Because I feel like Adam is... We have time for everyone. It's, <laughs> it's to Adam. So, Adam, okay. yes. would you eat or would you consume a, uh, an egg mayonnaise sandwich still in its wrapping? No, but only because I don't like egg mayonnaise. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's the only reason. <laughs> you would do otherwise. Uh, a plastic bottle of Iron Brew. Uh, yes, but the top has been chewed by a rat. Uh, I wouldn't, but Joel says he would if the seal hasn't been broken. An egg in a sock? No, see my aforementioned <laughs> answer, don't like egg. Uh, an egg still in its shell, but it's from the 90s. Yeah, probably, because I like Britpop. Okay. <laughs> condom full of grapes. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hard pass on the condom you full of grapes. You absolutely would, you're lying. <laughs> we know you better than you know yourself. Sick yeah. bastards. Uh, so him, Alan and Joel then go off on a scavenge. Uh, there's echoes of when he goes off with Michael to steal a traffic cone in Iron yes. Partridge. Yeah. Uh, and he claims they're using the same SAS cameras they used when they assassinated Osama Bin Laden, and he's hoping to find a Bin Laden with food. He has mispronounced Bin Laden on purpose, on purpose. to make yeah. that yeah. joke Just work. to make that yeah. fit, yeah. Uh, I really like the bit when... <laughs> When they're about to do the um, do the dumpster dive, um, when he uh, goes off on goes off on one, and uh, Joel says to him, "When did this happen?" He says, "Oh, it's just a generic annoying man that lives inside my mind." And I thought that's essentially that's back to the imagined Chris Rea barbecue incident in I'm Alan Partridge series one, isn't Waffling it? Waffling to himself. Yeah, yeah he's kind come of. Come on, let's leave. These people are starting to annoy me. <laughs> he regularly loses arguments with fictitious characters yes, in his own all mind. The time. Yeah. <laughs> so what we're saying is that Alan's mental problems remain by the sounds of things. Yeah, we are saying that. Um, at the point that they get rumbled at the skip and the Freegan legs it, you get this, uh, we've got a shot behind us of uh, part of Alan's point of view head cam escape. I wondered, question to the group, is his head cam escape better than his Jed Maxwell escape? Uh... Very different. One, one's yeah. very quick, so th- this one lasts a whole weekend. It's the slowest escape in world yeah. history. Well, I don't think he does escape, does he? He just stays there until they open it. Until they yeah. let him out, yeah. yeah. It's and not he... really an escape, is it? It doesn't really count. He's <laughs> very scared of security guards, which he says have a chip on their shoulder and no qualifications. Quite a combo. <laughs> yeah. Again, insulting people that he said he's trying to learn from his mistakes, but it's evident that he really has. Yeah, that, and, and I think, as I'm sure we'll, uh, in summary in a bit, like, I think that's the whole thing about this, this journey of redemption that he wants to go on. Alan thinks he's a man of the people, but he's essentially shit scared of anyone from the working class or anyone that's capable of manual labour. Alan will never change. Uh, So at this point, he is trapped in the warehouse and uh, he thinks he sees someone outside and starts shouting at them saying, man, chav, chav man, fat boy. Uh, But it turns out it's just a cardboard cutout of a Nolan sister carrying some Activia, which made me wonder, (laughs) uh, question to the group, have you ever mistaken something that is not a person for a person? 
Uh, I don't think so, no. no? Okay. I think Possibly. you have, haven't you, Adam? Uh, well, my, my wife had a particularly good story where she was in H&M once and uh, a woman came down off the escalator, bumped into her reflection outside a changing room and then apologised to herself. <laughs> that is amazing. That really happened. So to be confirmed, your wife did that, is that right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. My wife <laughs> knows someone. Yeah. Yeah. Still a good story, though. Uh, Alan kind of drops a Tinder bombshell as well that is on Tinder. Yeah. Yeah. I think at this point he, he admits that, I, I think in the timeline, he had been going out with the lady that he meets in Alpha Papa, hasn't he? Throughout, through the start of... Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. But, but then at, this, at, at this point, that relationship is over and he's back on Tinder, uh, complaining at this point that the GoPro has made him look grotesque. Put this on my Tinder profile and it'll be a barren few months indeed, <laughs> uh, I also like that he, he, he's a big fan of very cheesy graphics and you can see that he's put an edit in here where yeah. he actually, the graphics swipe his Swipes picture off. right. Yeah. Uh, yep. He starts wistfully looking back on his marriage to Carol. Uh, it's 2.59 now. He's still trapped in the warehouse. Um, <laughs> he says, like Carol, the warehouse has become incredibly cold and unloving. And I thought, was the warehouse ever loving? <laughs> Very good uh, point. He's stretched that metaphor a bit, hasn't he? Um, and then he, uh, to keep himself warm, he, uh, <laughs> he dresses in a classic bubble wrap double gown and cowl, as you can see on the picture behind us there. Very classy. Uh, and which also... He then later um, sees himself on the CCTV footage and thinks it's a ghost yeah. stalking the he warehouse. De- he describes himself as the love child of the honey monster and a s- de- demented Scottish witch. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Which, to be fair, is quite accurate. And then there's another hashtag that goes with that, hashtag Honey Widow. Yep. <laughs> Again, which I think is kind of perfect. It's, he's trying to keep up with the times with his latest production his show, hashtags are brilliant. But the hashtags don't make yep. any sense. It doesn't work. Why didn't he just use his mobile when he was stuck in here? Oh, good point. Yeah. I, I think really don't know. Continuity bombshell there, I think. Yeah. Uh, so he's trapped in the warehouse in total for 51 hours because uh, it's closed at weekends. Uh, eventually, when somebody comes through, he's, he's borderline delirious. He rolls around in the bubble wrap you can see here uh, and thinks that it's someone opening fire on him. Although, to be fair, uh, that is post-Alpha Papa. So uh, he has been involved in shootouts before. So he might have post-traumatic stress disorder, basically. Yep. yep. And so that kind of brings us towards the end of the episode. But um, there is a great payoff to that scene, though, when you discover he's actually naked under the bubble wrap. Uh, 
Why? Why? Uh, so at this point, he's pleading with us that the journey has been meaningful, basically. He's saying, it was time for me to become a better man. He says he's going to apologise to Marvin, uh, 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 who was there at the very beginning. Although of the he can't remember Marvin's name and has to be told by somebody off camera. Yep. And uh, I believe Nick's got the transcript of his apology to Marvin, who he accused of being a shit. Well, yeah, I mean, so Alan basically invites Marvin to come into the studio where he's going to read the apology where he says, I, Alan Partridge of Sound Mind, do humbly state that I'm sorry if you felt offended or were offended. I was under a lot of pressure at the time. Was he? Um, because no. the woman I loved had decided she, didn't, she no longer felt similarly to me. Uh, nevertheless, I was wrong to imply that you had feelings for sheep and that you did, <laughs> did give physical uh, expression to those feelings through ovine congress. That is a term you do not hear much. No. no. Um, uh, I also regret shoving you in the car park. Yeah, I love that. Oh, yeah. I love that. It slips in that he'd assaulted him as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> calling you a chav, a horrible pejorative term that should be consigned to the museum of no longer acceptable words. And how does Marvin respond to this apology? He just sends him an emoji of a sheep. Yep. Yes, he does. <laughs> um, so then, obviously, Alan immediately rescinds the apology, and in the voiceover, he then says, just because one disadvantaged teenager wanted to act the prick, it doesn't mean I couldn't reach out to others. So he takes a ragtag group of people hiking with him. Uh, they don't seem to care. One of them, Darren, refuses to wear high-vis. Uh, their names are Gavin, Mark, Riley, Darren, and another Gavin. <laughs> Uh, he tries to espouse the benefits of Bovril, uh, yep. beef tea, hot salt drinks, he describes them as. It's actually genuinely very nice. It is, I concur. Far and too it, salty. It pretty much ends uh, with them throwing him off, off a jetty. Uh, he claims there to be he relaxed, but yeah. he looks like he's but shitting himself. They love him that bit as well. And yeah. he claims that he's looking back over what, by any measure, had been an incredible journey. Uh, he said, whilst you're not going to convince everyone, it was clear I'd achieved genuine redemption. So, question <laughs> to the group, has Alan achieved genuine redemption? Absolutely not. No, no. <laughs> he's he's learnt nothing. Thing, I would say. Not for a second. Um, and yeah, that's always what it's been about. It's just a way for him to wangle a documentary out of it and hopefully get more work, essentially. Do you think he did become a, a better, more sought-after broadcaster as a result of this? Again, no. I find that unlikely. Well, if... we, we don't know. We, like, Alan's... It's not the end of Alan. Oh, as we know, he's going to be back on he's... the BBC next year. So in theory, this is kind of taking him places. So maybe he has... So, so in, the, in the fictional Alan world, you're suggesting current BBC commissioners saw this documentary last year and thought, <laughs> yes, we want him back for a chat show. It's in a Dalton. stretch, but yes. <laughs> OK. Uh, well, that brings us to the end of Scissor Isle, and we are sadly out of time. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us. Before we go... We'll just have a brief attempt at the, uh, at the theme song between us after three. One, two, three. Alan Partridge, Scissor Isle. Thank you very much. Oh, no, Thank you. Thanks, Thank you, everyone. guys. Thank you. Thank you. So there we go. As we were hurried off stage in Manchester, that was the end of our live Scissor Isle special. But we've decided there are all kinds of tidbits that we need to uh, communicate to the Partridge audience. So join us next week for part two of our Scissor Isle special. Um, we'd also like to quickly mention our London live show. It's coming up on November the 25th at London's Prince Charles Cinema. And we'll be tackling Knowing Me, Knowing Yule and speaking to live guest Simon Greenall, who most of you will know as Michael the Geordie. You can join us by picking up tickets at postpoppodcast.com slash monkey tennis and we hope to see you there that's it for us this week uh, if you'd like to get in touch at all it's thepartridgepod at gmail.com twitter.com slash thepartridgepod facebook.com slash thepartridgepod and we have a brand new social media account guys it's very exciting but it's not fully consistent with the other <laughs> with the other media our social media branding we... <laughs> has gone to absolute <laughs> we shit. are also now on instagram at monkey tennis pod so uh, please join us there and please join us next week for part two of the scissor dial special thanks and goodbye Monkey tennis. One partridge says an aisle. Monkey tennis. You're unpacking. This is an ecstasy palette. Google it. Monkey tennis. Basically, beef tea.
Monkey tennis? Or what is a trolleyman but a shepherd of the town? Monkey tennis? The better, more sought-after broadcaster. Seldom a pedigree chump, although he only eats boiled eggs. Monkey tennis? Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 